Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 18 of season 2 of Reporting is Eligible. Um, We're coming off a great win, best win of the year, over the Tennessee Titans, who are a legitimately good team, and the Packers just beat the crap out of them. Like, just a blowout from start to finish. Um, never in doubt, unlike a lot of games lately, honestly. And other, like, really other than, like, a special teams blunder that didn't technically happen, I, I, got, I got nothing to complain about, just pure joy all the way through. So, um... Joining me as always in in Tosa, we have. Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Proud to be part of the All Initials podcast. You've got J.R. Radcliffe, of course, but also A.J. Dillon. Uh, and we're both big dudes. His big <laughs> is a little better than mine. But uh, but yeah, this is an All Initials podcast. I'm excited. Very exciting. Uh, so good to see A.J. actually get into a game and show off what he can do. He had. One carry for 18 yards last week, which, you know, very nice. But this is exactly what you... a good carry, too. Yeah, it was a good carry. This is what you want him for. And, I mean, it's hard to say anything negative about him. He did exactly what big guys should do. Powered over people. Looked like Derrick Henry out there, except Derrick Henry didn't. So maybe he stole his powers Space Jam style. That's all I can figure. But it was a great debut performance for, for A.J. Dillon. Um, and uh, I suppose we should probably introduce Matt as well. So... Um, over in Colorado, as per usual. <laughs> What's happening, everybody? My name is Matt, but you can call me Matub, meme weaver for Acme Packing Company, as well as reigning fantasy football champion. Yeah, you beat Tex in the final, didn't you? Pew, 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 and general Twitter rabble rouser. The big news out of the APC Fantasy League is I did not set my lineup all season. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> You are the reason why I don't understand why people play fantasy football. I've been out of the business for seven years, and you're the reason why, Matub. Not you specifically, but also you Not only did I win the fantasy, which, okay, so to be fair, I made one change after finding out I was in the the championship. I subbed out an injured running back. Um, The running back I subbed in scored four points, and I won by ten. So I would have won had I not made that change. So it still counts. I'm with JR and, though. I play fantasy, and it's just uh, it, it. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I know that there's people even, who, who like. What's worse? Uh, yeah. Tex was in the championship with me. Tex was six and seven. That's so, awful. <laughs> it's just terrible. It's just such a crap. <laughs> I know it's like the league. I, I know people <laughs> like it because it it has these exciting twists and turns. And I know there's even people that are like good at it. And if you want to spend all your time at it. You can scrape for running backs every week. I got no time for that anymore. I used to when I was younger, but it's just a, it's mostly a pure luck game unless you are devoting way too much time to it. Way, way, So I bought myself a championship ring. (laughs) (laughs) So if we win next year, do we get to take it off you? Of course you did. Um, so it's it's dated. That's the thing. I I bought a a, a 2020 championship ring. Um, it was $20. So, uh, 
whoever wins next year, I say that we all God damn it. Go together and get a get a championship. I was gonna get a belt, but even the cheapest joke belts are hundred bucks. Yeah, I'm not spending hundred bucks. That's too on a much joke. too much for random nonsense. Mm-hmm. I I like I said, don't play anymore, but uh I, I love to know who out there had both Alvin Kamara and Devontae Adams on their roster. Those are two top high end guys. Ooh, so I had Alvin Kamara anyway, on but... my roster, but didn't make the final because he didn't play that well down the stretch. <laughs> Screw that guy. He played pretty well this week. <laughs> <laughs> Six touchdowns, I heard. Decent. Could have been Decent seven, too. Night. Pretty good. Sean Payton just had to get Taysom Hill one. Could have easily been seven, which would have been the record. But who needs records? Um, so I, I can thank Stefan Diggs for my win. Um, I was down by 30 going into Monday, and Diggs scored 41. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of big games. So Pretty good. All yep. As all skill. Which, okay, all jokes aside, that just means that I had arguably the best draft of all time. That's and true. You, you, you did well up front. So we, yes. So we can say that I'm a good drafter. But moving on to fantasy. One. I'm really just doing this because it pisses Peter Bukowski off and like pissing off Peter Bukowski is one of my favorite things to do. It's pretty fun. Since we are just taking twisting, diverging roads, I was just before I hopped on looking at the uh, the first game of that 2010 uh, Packers playoff run against the Eagles. Had forgotten that Sean McDermott, you mentioned the Bills, Bills coach Sean McDermott, uh, yes. was the defensive coordinator for the Eagles that year. Got a lot of face time, got a lot of camera time in that game. Uh, as the Packers beat the beat the Eagles 21-16, of course, that uh, interception by Tremont Williams at the end. But uh, just, a, just a little callback. You know, I, I did a thing this week on Packers coaches from that 2010 team. It is so amazing to me how quickly we forget or, or don't even know in the first place who the coaches are on a given staff. I feel like with baseball, you know most of the guys or have at least heard of most of the guys. And I guess that's probably true for football too. But you've got – outside of the coordinators that everyone knows – of you know line every position group has a coach and for the most part those guys are fairly anonymous they they sort of come to fame later when they move up and become a coordinator or become a head coach uh, guys like Ben McAdoo are on that 2010 team and I guarantee yep. you the vast majority of of fans he was the tight ends coach at the time they've not heard of Ben McAdoo and uh, I did the thing on it because uh, Kevin Green was on that staff so just looking back at those coaches but you know like Mike Turgovic who was a defensive line coach could not find record of him where he was now. He was with the Raiders last year. I couldn't. He wasn't on any Raiders like, like coaching list, and he also there was no no story about him leaving or retiring. Probably because the franchise moved, so a lot of the beat writers probably changed over from LA writers or, or uh, yeah. sorry, Oakland, Oakland writers, writers to yeah. yeah to um to Las Vegas writers. So there was no mention. There's no mention of him. And I, I emailed the Raiders. They're like, yeah, we're not sure what he's up to. He's not on the staff, but not sure if he retired. <laughs> like, that, that dude has a Super Bowl ring, but you know, he's just, hey, uh, probably, That's I insane. assume he's hanging out in California. So, you know, or whatever that is, he is crazy. Counterpoint to your assertion. How many coaches on the Brewers can you name? Like, just, just give me a rough number. I can, I can name them all. Uh, I Wait, can't. How many is that? Brewers fan. Oh, it's not as many as football, if that's what you mean. I mean, there's, right. there's so, two, so what I'm two base is, coaches, a bullpen coach, pitching and hitting, usually an assistant in one of those two capacities, a bench coach, uh, and maybe there's like a coordinator who hovers around the team or something. Yeah, they had a lot of and, turnover and in the offseason. I actually know fewer than I used to because like Eddie Cedar's not that doing that anymore, and uh, Marcus Hamill's not on the team anymore, and that was two of the ones I knew best. So. But I would say 
a, a fan with a commitment to baseball who can name that many coaches could probably name that many coaches on the Packers. They could they You're could probably... name the the coordinators maybe the because like like the defensive backs coach in the in the Packers was a was a, a long standing. Um, Kevin Green was someone that could be named from the 2010 team by most people. Um, totally agree with you. Yeah, everyone... but he also has that cachet of being a player. Yeah, and being a Hall of Fame player. In that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so like I, I I see where you're going, but yes, there's such a litany of coaches in football that no one's going to name the uh, assistant quality control specialist. Right. Until you look right. back at the no tree doubt. later no on, and then you know you, guys start to pop out, and it's like, oh, Andy Reid and John Gruden and you know Steve Mariucci. That that's when it happens is after the fact when a bunch of people Ben McAdoo. Yep. <laughs> what an interesting career arc he had. Yes. That is a that's a Maca don't right there. I didn't realize that Kevin Green is actually the second member of that coaching staff to pass away. Uh one of their uh one of their special teams assistants had uh had also passed away a couple years ago. So um, you know, like I said, I it didn't didn't not something I even heard of because I just don't I, I just don't know the depth chart. But you're right, a hardcore football fan surely does. Very true. Well, surely you can't be serious. <laughs> I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Remember when the Packers totally bottled up Derrick Henry? It, it, I do remember. It. Okay, it just happened. I, I take. I I have an issue with the Derrick Henry takes, and why? I'm waiting, what? Okay, I'm waiting to complain. Okay, everyone is championing the stat that the Packers held him under a hundred yards. That's everyone's everyone's okay. talking about. That's because it's easy. Okay, they held Derrick Henry to ninety-eight yards. Yeah. The pa- the Packer fans who are saying this this like oh they held him under hundred yards ha 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 are the exact same fans who complain about saying that Devontae wasn't a thousand yard receiver when he got nine nine six okay twice. fine <laughs> so, so you can't you can't complain about four yards off of a milestone with one of your players and then champion two yards off of a milestone for someone else. You can't, you're being a hypocrite. Knock it off. It was a good game against Derrick Henry, but stop using a hundred yards as this big test of will or whatever. Shut up, shut your stupid face. <laughs> the Packers fans should be happy that they held them under one. Thank you. They should be trumpeting Thank that. You. number. Absolutely. Um, the, the biggest damage they did against Derrick Henry was, um, they ran him on first down like 12 times, and he gained three or fewer yards on all but three of those carries. And the three that he, that he gained good yardage on were all garbage time trash. So they put the Titans into bad situations like every single time. I still don't know how they did this to Derrick Henry. Uh, I mean, I, I watched it. I do know Kenny Clark was a monster. Preston actually was great in run defense. His best game of the year. hundred percent. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, just fantastic. I know. Game. If we ever make a post-game show... For, for Patreon, we should call it Garbage Time Trash. <laughs> Keep that in mind. But it actually is a good podcast name. I actually should write that down. I, I'm a fan. Thank you. Yeah, nice. Um, Derek Henry usually plows over teams like the Packers, and they just ate him up. Even like Adrian Amos was in on a bunch of stops in the backfield, had an excellent game as well. Uh, and and this was the best Packer game they've probably played in many, many years. Um, they were great on offense. It's the best defensive game of the year. Um, Aaron, uh, I think it was Bukowski, yeah, it was. He asked Aaron Schatz if this was the best game of the Petten era. Schatz cited two games that were technically better by DVOA, but this is the best game of the Petten era because those, ga- those games had issues. It was Minnesota without Dalvin Cook, where a guy named Mike Boone got, led the team in carries, and it was a terrible Buffalo team. Like a, a Josh Allen rookie got sacked seven times. And, you know, it, 
the Packers are capable of doing that to teams. But oh, that was that was the Kyler game. Yeah, it, it was. Kyler got three sacks that game. It, well, I don't think he did. I think he got one. Um, Zedarius had three and a half in that game. Um, so it was. Well, no, it was the. It wasn't against the Bills when when uh, Kyler tackled someone by falling, and I swear it was Josh Allen. It maybe it was. I, Kyler had like two and a half sacks that game. I oh, I don't have it up right now. So Zedarius was the, the one. But this was a good, competent you know team. The, the Titans have one of the best offenses in football. They they've ranked consistently high in it. They've been destroying teams lately, and to to see this happen is frankly incredible from the Packers. Um, and a big part of it was stopping Henry on first down. The Titans love to run on first down. They run a ton, and they rely completely on staying on schedule and, and having good play action. And without that, they kind of fell apart. <laughs> so um, good all around. I don't. We can we can praise the whole team because they all played great. Nobody played bad on defense. Um, Zedarius was a monster. He was in the backfield all the time. Preston was great doing what he did last year. Even Rashawn Gary was good. Like everybody on the D line was good. Um, it, and uh, Savage, we should talk about Savage because we've talked about Savage a couple times. But this was this was probably the best game of his career. He had an interception. He had a bunch of passes defended. He should have had a pick six. Um, he was just all over the place. Should have yeah. had two pick sixes. It, well, I, I know the one where he had it hit him in the hands and he was running full speed the other way. What was the other one? There was. Um, by the time that one came around, people were telling me that there were two others. I went back and looked. I have forgotten already. It is. It has already been a week at work. It's only been two days. Also, and side note that that was the game. Fackrell got three sacks. Uh, okay. Good job. <laughs> We're not going to give up on that on that Kyler Sackrell statistic. Nice, nicely done. Because thirty percent, like everyone's like he's a double digit sacker, and it's like, well, he got three sacks, and one of which he fell backwards into the quarterback. <laughs> Can't exactly call that. Uh, he sucks. Um, yeah, Savage should have had two pick sixes. And what struck me about that, you know, we've talked about how a shift in scheme is helping helping him along, and he's just been a, a monster in the second half of the season. Uh, we thought maybe that would be to Jair Alexander's detriment, but he's making plays too. He had a couple really nice plays again. Like, he has not fallen off. Their secondary is just stacked. It's just loaded right now. Yeah. Well, there's People are throwing at Jair again, and I don't know why. That's not working out for them. They can keep trying. Yeah, it it was because a weird. We went a good chunk of the season. It was a weird choice by the Titans to yeah. try and force it to one of their two good receivers, while the other one had Kevin King on him, and just terrible idea. <laughs> did did not work. Totally baffling. Yeah. Totally I really baffling. Liked, I really liked the one play of uh, Kevin King is on our big receiver. Let's see if he can tackle in the open field. <laughs> oh, he can't. He can't. Let's not ever. <laughs> let's not ever run that play again. Just bizarre to see. Seriously, that guy Corey Davis says. First catch is what? Late third quarter? Like he was total a total mm-hmm. non factor. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Well and that was after uh AJ got hurt, right? He rolled his ankle or something. Yeah. A- AJ they, that, and then they started going to Corey Davis more. But just a weird game plan. I don't know what the Titans were doing yeah. other than not executing very well. <laughs> I think they thought they would you know steamroll us. I think was, that's it. Yeah, well, it was Matt LaFleur going out on the news and saying that Vrabel would whoop his ass. And so then they they were like, yeah, yeah, we would. <laughs> and so we're going to play power Titan football. <laughs> yep. So I, I was I've been so, waiting for this one because the defense has been pretty good, but the teams they've played have been kind of trash. Carolina's okay on offense. And I'm much more willing to say now, like, this is legit. That they're, they're, they've actually made real changes. And I do 
wonder if we'll there was a story a couple weeks ago before the Eagles game about a bunch of the veteran defensive players telling Petten to basically do better <laughs> simplify the pass rush and they have had schematic changes since then and they seem to be better so I think that might actually matter uh, I usually discount such things but it really seems to be an actual change that they made in being more aggressive and um, changing the way Savage plays and changing the pass rush because Arius has been far better over that period too, just like just going forward and not doing much of anything else. Sadly, we did we did still see Preston in coverage at least once. Yeah, one time, went and found it, but <laughs> just once, not not multiple. So stupid. <laughs> really. You know, this thing is happening in Chicago where the Bears have built a, a head of steam and, and, and Packers fans are licking their chops like, oh, the Bears are going to bring back Trubisky. He's going to play well enough to merit coming back. <laughs> but is that the same thing that's happening in Green Bay? I mean, you don't wish ill. You don't want the defense to regress. You want them to do what they're doing. But if it's true that the coordinator is holding them back, Mike Pettin, you know, how how can they justify if this continues, how do you justify dumping Mike Pettin? You you can't. You cannot yeah. justify it. It's not possible. And on top of that, if he's willing to simplify, we think that this meeting had some impact. Maybe he's learned and gotten better. Like maybe he's not, maybe it's not the problem anymore. It's possible. It, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to judge these things because uh, we we speculated like since midseason all the way to the end. Until now, like this is Petten's job-saving time of the year. They play a bunch of crap offenses, and he's going to have some superficially good performances, and he's going to be fine. And you, you can say the exact same stuff about Mitch Trubisky, who's played a bunch of trash pass defenses and looked pretty good against them. And it makes it hard to evaluate if there's actual change or if it's just the schedule. Usually, it's just the schedule. And it, like you know, we covered this team and like this team. It's hard to not be a homer about it. But here's the thing. The Titans aren't that. Um, And to a large extent, the Panthers aren't either. Uh, So it's easier to believe it's real just based on this last game. Now, the other problem is it's only one game. Football's, you know, a season of one-game increments, and everybody can have a good game. Like, we just read off Mike Putton having two games, good games before, although they were against kind of trash offenses. Um, So... I, I don't know. I'm very interested to see what happens when they actually run into each other next week <laughs> and to see um, if, you know, Fetton's defense keeps this up or if Mitch Trubisky actually plays a halfway decent game. Um, but I, I lean towards it being more real because there's actually strategic differences that have occurred. Like the way that Savage is playing closer to the line and being more aggressive with more ability to freelance to shoot toward the ball and not be that defender of last resort is legit. That's a real thing that's going on that's different. So um, I'm inclined to say he's changed and this defense is better for it. He might get figured out three games from now, but I'll take that. That's the playoffs. It's that's fine. Just last, just last till the Super Bowl. That's all I ask. I think we oh. may have seen the Packers lose their last game of 2020 slash 2021. <laughs> okay, I was gonna <laughs> say I, was like, I thought that was a really bad joke. Yeah, dude, it's like oh, it's like okay. I used to work with this guy. His name was Jim, and. Jim was the kind of person that he would tell a joke, and if he got one laugh, he would then go around the entire office and tell the same joke. Yep. Yes, we all so, know that know guy. So know Monday, Monday after first of the year, he would walk up to the first office and go, this is the best coffee I've had all year. And then they would go, huh. And then he'd be like, nice. They go to the next cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best coffee I've had all year. Shut up, Those are the Jim. words. 
that that uh that could have been a really low low brow dad joke but no i mean it yeah. i mean this is the somebody said that when in 1996 i was working in a restaurant i remember one of the cooks saying i think if you want to see the packers lose a game you're just gonna have to wait till next year and then of course he was right this was late in the season they went on to win the super bowl <laughs> i remember it i and so i think it all the time it's just one of those weird moments of time that got imprinted on my brain but i think it all the time I mean, obviously, there's really good teams out there, but you talked about the Chiefs last week, how they keep winning these one-score games. We see it again this week. Yep. That that did sort of open my eyes a little bit, that the Chiefs are, you know, probably on a run of good luck. And uh, even though I do think they are the best team in the NFL, I don't know if there are teams better than the Packers. Like, the Packers are flawed, but I, I there's just, if, if not the Chiefs, I don't know who you look at and say, oh, that's the best team in the NFL. Like, there's, there's, so many beatable teams. The yeah, Steelers. I, it's probably are beatable. like these are. It's probably Green Bay, and um, uh, we were talking about an Aaron Chats tweet before the show. Um, he he's had another one. The, the Chiefs started off like gangbusters on defense. They were actually one of the best defenses in football for about eight games, and they've been terrible for the second half of the season. They've regressed yeah. all the way back down to where the Packers are. I think they might be even a little below the Packers now on defense. So they have a, a gaudy record. Their offense has not been as good lately. Obviously, you are not going to doubt Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game when push comes to shove and Andy Reid calling plays for him, but that they're very similar to the Packers and that they have very similar weaknesses. And if they have an off game on offense and run into an actual good opponent, they can absolutely be beaten. I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo ends up taking you know, them out. There's a lot of comparisons to the Packers this year and the Chiefs last year. That You have superstar screaming hot quarterback, good offense, and a defense that's playing its best football in yeah. December. Mm-hmm. So it, it feels good. I feel really good about this team. One area I'm still not psyched on is special teams, Fireman and <laughs> They are trash. Um, uh, we, we, uh, interesting enough, there's a, there's a picture of Sean Menenga within the Getty Images search that is labeled as uh, um, offensive coordinator. Oh, um, for the Falcons. Old guy. Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Um, so he's, it's, if you search for Nathaniel Hackett, you get a picture of Shamanega. Yeah. Multiple articles in the last couple of days have gone out saying the Falcons are looking at Hackett, and it's a picture <laughs> of Shamanega. And we're just like, yes, please get just get rid of him. Hire him based on picture. I'm surprised you had me in here to interview for this job. I've only coordinated special teams um, and, <laughs> and badly. Shamanega is a tire fire. <laughs> That is spreading, uh, but J.K. Scott should have had his his, his tackle, uh, his tackle, but he didn't he didn't get it this week. We, we had a question I forgot to write down, which was should we be concerned about the extra points? And yeah, yeah, we should because since they moved extra points back from you know chip shot extra points, they're just field goals. They're just short field goals, and um, yeah, Mason's knocking through some some giant ones, but. Missing short ones because of poor execution by other people on special teams is really bad. And when you get into the playoffs in close games, the last thing you want is a crappy J.K. Scott hold or a crappy um, Hunter snap. Um, just having him blow like a random 35-yard field goal, which seems like it could definitely happen. So it would be nice if they clean that up. They're still like 25th in special teams by, um, by DVOA, and that includes a frankly great season from Mason Crosby um, dealing with all that crap and kicking a bunch of long field goals. So they're probably closer to the last where the Chargers sit than they are 25th. Um, before we walk away from special teams, there's one thing I want to note. Um, the Lions just released J. Ron Curse. 
uh, a very large safety. Yeah, he's a safety. I right? don't want him on the field on defense. Yeah, he's he's six four, like two ten, something like that, like two two oh five. Yeah. He's a very good special teams player. I really think the Packers should call him. I whatever he's, he's an idiot and I don't I don't want him on the field as okay. a safety, but I very badly want him on special teams. Whatever makes special teams better, I'm all in favor of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about the offense, which is awesome? Offense was great. It was so good. So good. I mean, except they, they scored a touchdown on a wide receiver screen. And it's okay. Devontae uh, force fed the ball. So that's the kind of wide receiver Speaking screen of, I'm, uh, I'm okay with that one because that guy couldn't tackle or cover him. That was fine. <laughs> Talked about victory lap tweets earlier with uh, them holding Derrick Henry under 100 yards. A lot of victory lap tweets about a certain second round pick and. In this game, where uh, oh. AJ Dillon apparently apparently is now absolutely the right thing to have taken in the second round, <laughs> you think of that, Paul. He's so he, so he had a good game, and it's better to take a good running back than a bad running back. But no, you still shouldn't do that. Um, I, <laughs> I so, was, I oh, was. Go ahead. What? I I want to talk about a different Packers running back who, in their rookie year, had a single game where they rushed 13 times for 103 yards. Okay. That's 7.9 yards. You are in love for one, with Eddie Lacy. For one t- or No. Oh, it's going to be some. Touchdown. And three receptions for 23 yards. One game. And that is their only 100-yard game. The only other games they had, they had three attempts for one yard, one attempt for negative three yards, and two attempts for six yards is it before Deshaun suffering Wing? a career. No, before ah. suffering a career-ending neck injury. Oh, this is a great question. Jonathan Franklin? Jonathan Franklin. Right. Oh, San Diego State? Where's he out? Where's he from? He's from uh, USC. USC. Or... No, UCLA. 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 Yep, UCLA. UCLA. So, um, Jonathan Franklin, I truly thought, was going to be the Thunder-Lightning combo with Eddie Lacy. I thought that was a great... That was the, the Aaron Jones-Jamal Williams draft. But they drafted Jamal Williams before Aaron Jones. Um Way, way before, I should say. Um, I, I'm going to look at the Jonathan Franklin game against Cincinnati as my A.J. Dillon game. A.J. Dillon has one 100-yard game. Good for him. It was a great game. I don't want to take anything away from it. Jonathan Franklin has one 100-yard game in his career. So, so. fine. I, I still, I mean, here's the thing. When I wrote all about how it was a bad pick, it was agnostic as to how he would perform. Like, it's good if you get a good second round running back totally is but it's still a reach for that and there's a ton of running backs that came out of the last draft that were udfas that have been very productive this year and that's the main thing the other thing is this was a blowout win aj Dillon had a great win in a blowout win he was a big part of it he looked the part he trucked people like he did what he was supposed to do as a giant you know power back type guy but aaron jones also had a pretty good game helped out by referees a little bit he averaged nine yards a carry and AJ Dillon partially got to play because he got hurt um, and missed a chunk of time there. But if if he doesn't play, the outcome is probably pretty much the same because they torched them through the air and they didn't really rely on the running game that much. So th- th- that's still why. Like it, I don't. I'm not mad that he's on the team. He looks great. He um, he's a good prospect. Like he's a good speed score prospect. He's the second to Jonathan Taylor, 20 pounds heavier than him in speed score. His Raz is 10. Um, so like, like I'm happy he's there. I just, 
you got to be careful when doing that. I was looking today. I put together this is a different spreadsheet than the one on the rundown, but put together a different spreadsheet a couple of weeks back, just of all of the quarterbacks that every franchise had the opportunity to take over the last five years. Um, partially driven by the Patriots. The Patriots are rebuilding right now. They they drafted Jared Stidham and tried to patch it over with Cam Newton. Um, they could have drafted Lamar Jackson. Almost everybody could have drafted Lamar Jackson. Um, they had the pick in front of the Ravens for Lamar Jackson. They used it on Sony Michelle. Um, who is a bad running back. <laughs> Matub made a horrible face there. So any Michelle for the last two years has ranked 29th in DVOA. He's having a bad year where he's a spotty player this year. Um, that decision to draft Sonny Michelle, a bad running back, um, over Lamar Jackson, you know, a spotty, not great prospect at quarterback, is probably kind of a franchise-destroying pick for the Patriots who now have to go into the quarterback, you know, drafting process. So... Uh, the Packers aren't in that situation. They, in fact, took a quarterback. Um, but there's almost always somebody more valuable than running back out there. So Dylan had a great game. He looked fantastic. If they have to play a bunch of games at Lambeau, I want him on my team plowing over bad run defenses. But it'll be interesting to see how he does this week against the Bears, who have a much, much, much better run defense than um, Tennessee does. And, you know, the Packers actually did well running against him last time. So. It's not like it's impossible, but it, the second test is going to be, I think, a much better one for him. Also, probably in bad weather again. And they're also playing a Bears team that are playing for their lives as opposed to... Yes, they will be very, very motivated. And Akeem Hicks didn't play the first time. Oh, he's back, isn't he? That's right. I knew they had so that one. That made it a lot easier to run the football. Yeah. Shoot. I thought I thought it was uh, Roquan who was out that game, and I looked, and he, had, he definitely played. It was Akeem. You're right. That's totally true. I... I cannot think of Akeem Hicks without thinking about his NFL Top 100 narrated by Mike Daniels. You guys remember that? Oh. Mike Daniels did some narration a year or two ago for the NFL Top 100. Mike Daniels is great if you get a microphone in front of him. And he's talking about Akeem Hicks, and he's like, he's big, and his arms are huge, and he just paws at you. He's like, and then he goes, (gasps) he's like a bear. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. That's awesome. So before we get off, Dylan, um, I do want to jump ahead to a question from from nobody, um, and echoed by Neil Olson, a, a frequent frequent question asker. From nobody? Yeah, from nobody. <laughs> that's a meme, Paul. Nobody at nobody knows. Hey, I did a bunch of charts looking at big running backs in cold weather. Yes, that's, a, that's an online meme. Is it? It's nobody. Da- you see nobody colon and then nothing. Yeah. yeah. And then Paul, I did a bunch of charts on big running backs in cold weather. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Basically, like you're doing something that nobody asked. That for. nobody asked for. Yes, nobody um, asked. Nobody for is. It. A, yes, nobody is the display name of a regular Twitter question asker. Yeah. of the show. Although his at is it's also nobody something else. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Good it's it's, it's a burner account. It's very obviously a burner account. <laughs> I'm gonna find out who you are, nobody. <laughs> so, so anyway, the the question he is, wants to know if big dudes in cold weather. Yes. So I looked up a bunch of big dudes in cold weather. Um, which fortunately StatHead lets you do, that you sort by big running backs. I set my set mine at 235 for poundage. Um, I added in a few old-timey guys. <laughs> Matt cranked up at poundage, as he should. Well, uh, it's funny because we're also, we were just talking about in, that, in the APC Slack today, um, there's some draft prospect next year who's 6'9", 400. Yeah. And Peter Voigt was asking if that was irregular. And I was like, yes. <laughs> it is very, very <laughs> And so, 
JR physically can't breathe right now. Yes. That's, that's so good. So good. So um, I was like, well, he would be literally the tallest, biggest prospect of all time. Of all time. Yeah. yeah. So I went to Stathead and I sorted by BMI. Um, and the highest BMI to ever play in the NFL, I think, is 45 something, which is just. <laughs> insane gilbert uh gilbert brown was listed as a 43.7 bmi but we're pretty sure that he was about 40 pounds off on his listed weight yep these are the people whose posters are hanging in my bedroom right now (laughs) (laughs) so i I bmi leaderboard yes i tried to parse this by individual games but um nobody keeps a good record of the actual temperatures at game time and uh, Stathead doesn't do it. I think I can get it on our scraper, but my R scraper is broken and I'm trying to fix it. So anyway, I excluded guys who are warm weather guys. So Mike Allstott, it just doesn't matter. He played in domes and in Tampa Bay his entire career. He is a big giant guy. He Maybe he's worth in, worse or better cold weather. I don't know. But here's the thing. It probably doesn't matter, but there were a few guys who had um, some pretty definitive trend lines that they were better um, as the season went on and played outside. So um, and a lot of familiar names on that list. Eddie Lacy being a big one, who started off as a 3.84 in September for his career and had a gradual rise month by month until December. He was 4.67. So um, substantially better when the weather turned for Eddie Lacy. Um, the other one who was way better when it got cold than when it was not cold was Ron Dane, um, who started at basically 3.0 in the warmer months and went up to about 4.0 in the colder months, which sucks but uh, <laughs> but sucks way less when you're trying to you know grind out yards in tough weather however outside of those guys and actually derrick henry derrick henry's better also um outdoors in later in the year this game notwithstanding he usually is um it's usually pretty flat it's usually just looks, looks random i also looked at jamal lewis his best months are september and december um brendan jacobs who played for the giants um october and november are, are better december's worse um, Leonard Fournette, he plays in the South too, but you know he's pretty consistent across it. And I looked at some old timey guys. Um, Jerome Bettis, same line every month, incredible. His whole career, like within like point zero one yards every month. So as sample size goes up, it tends to disappear. Um, and just for the sake of comparison, I also looked at really tiny guys to see if they got worse when it was cold out, and that's not true either. Like James White, um, our our friend from Wisconsin. His best month is December by far, running the ball, you know, catch, catching notwithstanding. Um, there's a bunch of tiny guys. It just seems completely random as to whether they're good or bad on any given month. So uh, there were a couple of guys who showed some trend lines. I don't. It's probably just randomness, but uh, basically, no. Big guys in December don't appear to help you. Just good running backs help you. That's all there is to it. Someone I'm someone I'm currently looking at who you might have missed in your in your search because of his position. Uh, Christian Okoye. I have Christian Okoye. He's worse late. Okay. Yes, and that's. I was just about to say he's worse late, but yeah. uh, PFRF has him listed as a fullback, so I didn't know if you. Oh no, I I, your... I grabbed Christian Okoye just because he he's so obvious. Breaks my heart. This is like when you find out lineup protection in baseball is a lie, and you know that everyone's <laughs> going to keep saying that it's a thing, even though it's not. I want fat guys to be awesome at the end of the year. I want them to be like churning through people, chewing them up into dust with the snow on the ground. But you're telling me it's not what true. What about BJ Raji? So, BJ Raji's adjusted yards per carry. I do not know. So we, it's also possible that we're, <laughs> we're not looking at quite the right thing here. Um, when people say big backs, they mean something very specific. They mean that they're up the middle guys who initiate contact. And 
Eddie Lacy and Derrick Henry and Rondane to a much lesser extent were that, but not every big back is that. Jerome Bettis was actually a very shifty big guy. He did not run to contact all the time. He did on the goal line. He did when he was trying to grind out one yard, but he he was not like a power guys over most of the time back. That's just not his game. So um, I think it might be useful to make a different differentiation. Um, and just having an idea, I might actually go do this. Um, Next Gen Stats has a stat about whether you're a north, south, or east, west runner. And uh, I'll, I'll try cross-referencing the north-south guys with weather. I bet I can do that. So maybe it's still true. So hold, about, hold out hope. It's still what about possible. Le- Leroy Horde. Leroy Horde. I think he played. Um, I think Leroy I, Horde. Um, he played in domes in the south. I think is why I didn't include him because he was on the Vikings for a lot of the time. And uh, he was Cleveland when he when he was good. He played for Cleveland. Was he okay? Oh, he didn't show up. He, he might be a fullback yeah. too. That might be why he didn't show up on the list. Um, yeah, I, he's also listed as a fullback. I, so for for those who don't know, Leroy Horde's famous quote <laughs> so good. is, "Coach, if you need it's uh, if you need one yard, I'll get you three. But if you need five yards, I'll get you three. Got <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Skittles on your list? <laughs> Sean Lynch is he on there? He's not because he's not actually over two thirty five. Um, but you know yeah, what? He might not be heavy we enough. should look at Marshawn because he is a good example of someone who runs with that style. Marshawn likes to truck mm-hmm. people. So it's not over two thirty-five. Caused an earthquake. No, <laughs> Marshawn was legitimately under two twenty. Uh, Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson, I'm pretty sure, are the exact oh. same size. He's not that big. He's I'm like ninety-nine really percent sure. He just ran like it. Ninety-nine percent throws my worldview off quite a bit. <laughs> We've been just destroying um, Jair's worldview all game here, apparently, or all, all podcast here. <laughs> okay, so according to Pro Football Reference, uh, Marshawn Lynch is listed as 5'11", 215, yeah. and Russell Wilson is listed as 5'11", 215. <laughs> They're pretty much the same guy. I reject this premise. I refuse to accept <laughs> Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch are the same size human being. That is not that is not something I accept. <laughs> Uh, Marshawn, Marshawn was quite a bit better in December than any other month, and he was also quite a bit better in November than in October and September. Um, he averaged um, four yards exactly in September and 3.81 in October, and he jumped up to 4.37 and 4.76 in December. So there may be something there to that run, running to contact guy. Well, well, we will investigate further and report back. Well, Eddie Lacy said that when it's cold and he's facing a DB, that DB was making a business decision. <laughs> it's so true. I think we should grade them based on whether or not we feel they can execute a Lambo leap. <laughs> Shout out. I do not think, for example, Marshawn Lynch could execute a Lambo leap. Well, no, AJ no Dillon. judgment, AJ Dillon. I can't do it either. I can't do it. But neither can you. Shout out to That's Alan Lazard. Him. Alan Lazard had to coach him. Because I remember very specifically John Kuhn talking about this. I think it was on AJ Hawk's podcast where he said that there are certain spots that you should not leap to. And the first spot that Dylan went to was one of the highest points of the, of the fence. <laughs> and it was covered in snow on yeah. top of it. Yeah. That's so Lazard, Lazard runs up behind him for a second one and goes, over there, over there. <laughs> <laughs> Alan being a good teammate. Um, so good, good to see. Um, the, we should, we Let should mention when speaking, they lofted. Speaking of, I was gonna say, speaking of Alan Lazard, Lazard and MVS blocked their ever-loving butts off. 
Fantastic. Block they were just blocked. So dad texted me. It was like, is MVS still on this team? And I'm like, aren't you seeing him on the perimeter? Like once you see it, you don't, you don't stop seeing it. Yep. Exactly. The, he has turned into such a good, like off ball player, such a good blocker and really hustled his ass off on a bunch of basically fake deep routes. And you'll see receivers all the time. Just get kind of quit on those when they know their decoys, when they have to do a bunch of work to be decoys never did once he ran all of his routes all the way through he blocked his ass off he had a he had a great game uh, i'm sure he graded out great on tape in the locker room um and and sprung dylan a couple times so good on mvs for a, another great zero target game lazard too lazard's a monster though um he he's fun to watch he's so much bigger than every db and he really uses it to his advantage um when he is open for passes because they never know if they're just going to get run over by him. Like, if, if, if it's a running play, all he does is go through him. I mean, remember when we were talking about him as possibly converting to tight end, which was silly because he's yes. too small for that. But, uh, you know, as far as receivers go, he's just a giant. It, for like a 5'7", so do the, TV, do the goodness. Do the Packers finally have the Alshon-Jeffrey-Brandon-Marshall combo? I think they do. I think they're as good. I think Lazard's as good as Brandon Marshall as a blocker, and MVS I think is is probably as good as Alshon because wow. Alshon was I, I would good, say but not great. Wow, because Brandon Marshall is, in my opinion, without a doubt, the goat blocking running or uh, wide receiver. He's awesome. Lazar- Don't come at me with Heinz Ward. No, nah. Heinz Ward threw cheap shots. He did. He, he was Brandon a dirty Marshall. player. Heinz Ward is the closest thing to John Stockton in the NFL. Just a a <laughs> a, a, a player everybody kind of likes, but is also super dirty. Um, on the field, but uh, Alan Lazard's a great blocker. Um, he's completely game all the time. He doesn't seem to care if he doesn't get the ball. He just goes and plows people over. He's fantastic. Love it. Heinz Ward, shout out to him being in a Batman movie, and also one of my favorite quotes. Well, I favorite. I say that, and I can't can't recall it verbatim. I can only paraphrase where he said uh, that he had, he was in a game that ended in a tie. He's like, I, I don't know if that's ever happened before in NFL history or something like that. Or I can't remember the last time that has ever happened. I've never been a part of anything like this. And he had literally been in the more, most recent NFL game that had ended in a tie just a few years earlier. It's like, man, he just apparently erased, erases all recent games from his memory. Yep. And shout outs to Heinz Ward, who's not even the best wide receiver to have competed on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> no, he is not. Uh, we should mention to Heinz I mean, win. Jerry Rice won, but did Heinz win? Jerry, no, Heinz Ward did not win. Did Heinz win? I don't know, but Donald Driver, Donald Driver, Donald Driver is the best. Yeah. Dan- dancing, dancing wide receiver. Wasn't Jerry yeah. Rice on there as well? I don't care if he's a better wide receiver. Donald Driver's a better dancing oh, wide receiver. Yeah, that's true. I actually don't know because <laughs> I didn't pay any attention to any Dancing with the Stars that didn't involve Packers. So, <laughs> well, watching Dancing with the Stars probably like tracking stats. I'm like, oh, I missed a step there. <laughs> what does DVOA say about Donald Driver's dancing performance? That it was very efficient. Uh, no, no, no lost ball, movement. The ballroom had a very high EPA. Yeah. Very high EPA in that ballroom. <laughs> uh. So De- De- Devontae is uh, currently the best wide receiver in football. Yes. Um, he is, I think, unquestionably the best wide receiver in football. He is behind Justin Jefferson and DYAR. But he has been making up ground on him consistently, and he will finish ahead of him next week. So, and how many stupid smoke screens is Justin Jefferson running? No, he, he never runs those because uh, well, actually, the Vikings yeah. run a really stupid offense. But you know, uh, Devontae is just he's the workhorse, so he gets those because 
you know, he makes five yards out of them, and they've decided that's valuable, even if the metrics say it's not. So nobody, Devontae's having a fan. That, that game was incredible, and I I wish that he would have gotten one more touchdown at the end. A.J. Dillon scored the last touchdown for the Packers. But uh, we should talk about the belt really quick um, because Malcolm Butler did the belt, yes, um, after the interception. He did, he did the he did the belt down 20 plus points which in is the fourth quarter. Fantastic idea and the Packers See? definitely kept passing because he did the belt and Devontae definitely torched Malcolm Butler because he did the belt and got an extra 30 something yards on a beautiful sideline pattern and uh Oh. One fact about that play, uh according to I believe it was Rodgers, there was a draw called for that play <laughs> and Rodgers saw man. And so so he checked to a pass. <laughs> He saw, he saw a man. man. He saw a specific man uh, on Devontae Adams. That is yes. what he saw. And Aaron Rodgers very famously said, and I continuously quote this, if I can read your nameplate, I will throw at you. Yep. And he read Butler's nameplate. <laughs> this might be Devontae's best game how ever, he... too. Um, I, I'm not sure he's had a more efficient game. Uh, he caught 11 to 12. Three touchdowns is insane. And uh, he shot up DVOA and DUIAR as a result. And he, I mean, uh, stats notwithstanding, if you watch Devontae play, he's just incredible this season. Uh, I have no problem saying he's better than anybody who may be slightly statistically better, which is basically nobody. I feel I need to clear up the record. Jerry Rice took second on Dancing with the Stars. He lost to Drew Lachey, not the guy 98 degrees, but not that Lachey, the other Lachey. The other Lachey. So, uh, <laughs> beat. Emmett Smith wins the year after that. Forgot Emmett had won. Oh, and then, wow. Of course, okay. Paul Hines Ward and Donald Driver. Uh, that, those are, uh, I thought those were back to back seasons, but there was a year in between. So, uh, ooh, some guy named JR won. JR Martinez. Good job, JR. <laughs> Is that a star? Like or a some baseball kind? player. Yeah, he is a uh, a motivational speaker, former U.S. Army soldier. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, Good he had uh, severe oh. severe burns, so he's ah. sort of an, he's an inspirational story. Yep. All right. Of Jr. And uh, yeah, so lots of lots of athletes having success. Apollo Anton Ono had success on the show. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry, I don't mean to to interrupt conversing about Devonte Adams because he is a blessing. He has two three-touchdown games, and they're both this um, year. Huh. Yeah, and he's currently fighting for the the literal Packers triple crown. Yeah, he so ain't going to get he, that. That's going to be oh, a hell of a last <laughs> game, but it's it's within so, range at least. So yards yards is kind of out of the question, right? It's, mm-hmm. What does he need, like 200 this game? I don't remember. I thought it was actually two, uh, qu- upper 200. No, I don't know for sure. I don't have those off the top of my head, but he, he needs two touchdowns. And four catches. Know. Yeah, he'll get the catches get the for catches. sure. So one, hey, maybe one, he gets the touchdowns. One touchdown ties, two breaks. Um, three catches ties, four breaks. But yeah, like the yards, <laughs> I think he needs like like two hundred something. It's not his fault. He missed two games. You know, uh, two yep. loss, the fact so. that he's doing this, and it's really funny <laughs> as people talk about the pre sixteen game season records. They're like these records are set for sixteen game season. These are better records and wooden bats and baseball. And, and Devontae's doing this in 13 games. This is insane. Completely yeah. insane. Tough tough matchup, too. Kyle he Fuller should get MVP votes in so. my world. He should. He probably will. He'll get a few. A wide, what, what would it take for a wide receiver to win MVP, honestly? 
I mean, it's impossible because the MVP voting system is just vote once for your MVP. It's not a tiered ballot. It's there's no, you know, second, third, fourth place. So like nobody's going to give, you know, you're just not going to get 18 to 20 guys saying the receiver is, is the option when there are quarterbacks in this league. It's just not going to happen. Someone has to get that guy. The ball is always the argument. Yep. So like, I don't understand what it would take. Like, like a, if, if a wide receiver had like a 2200 yard season and their quarterback had 2700 yards i like, think something like that with like maybe. just a, with a ton of yak uh, i think like a randy moss type season could maybe do it if he hit like 2000 yards uh, and just you know super open on bombs where it was clearly him doing all the work but it's a very unlikely scenario to ever pop up again so Oh well, we might get a receiver winning the Heisman this year, which would be the first time in ages. I don't, I don't know. I, I think we've had someone since Tim Brown, but I'm not positive of that. I we've think won the Heisman uh, Trophy well, as a receiver. Desmond Howard and oh, or Desmond Howard also counts as Peter one. Work, yeah, I believe, a... did too. Oh, he didn't win. Really? He didn't win. Mm, nope. Desmond Howard did, and he's obviously got a return game uh, involved there, but. So Woodson kind of counts because he played. Yeah, he played kind of everywhere. He's more of a, you know, multi-tool, you know, not a receiver. But it's just interesting because receivers are, I would think, largely considered some of the most skilled players on the field, and yet they're not given consideration for those top awards most of the time. So Desmond, Desmond Howard, and Tim Brown are listed as the only primary wide receivers to have won it. Uh, Larry Kelly and Leon Hart are listed as tight ends. They're old, old, old players. 50s. Oh, man. Imagine a tight end winning the Heisman now or the NFL MVP. <laughs> that would be wild. What a time. Yeah. Travis Kelsey, man. That guy, if there were votes, if there were top three votes, Travis Kelsey should be in consideration. Yeah, well, he's having one of the best tight end Travis seasons Kel- ever. I have on my on my league championship fantasy team, Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. <laughs> it's unfair. Well done. Nicely done. Well done. It's all about the draft, right? Yep. Um, Aaron Aaron Rodgers is going to win MVP now. I mean, I'm I'm sold. Yeah. Uh, I'm wor- I, that worries me. What? Because of the because curse of Kurt Warner. You, you, the curse of Kurt Warner, the one football curse I believe in. You know how you know how you break curses though. The, the Red yeah, Sox curse. broke the curse that says they can't win the World Series by winning the World Series. And the Cubs broke the yeah, curse of the goat by winning the World times. Series. I was going to say there's something to do with a goat and and yeah, the Bambino. You break the curse by just doing the thing that the curse stops, and then there's no curse anymore. So it's fine. <laughs> what we what we need to do, so, so Kurt Warner is active on Twitter. What we need to do is get Kurt Warner involved. Say, get Kurt Warner to say, hashtag stop the curse. Former Packer Kurt Warner? Former Packer great Kurt Warner who spent his signing bonus for camp on a green Jimmy to cart his family around as he was a grocery bagger and arena football quarterback. Did not understand the term camp body. That poor son of a gun. But yes, former Packer great Kurt Warner. We need to get him involved. So there's your RAE homework for the week early on. Jeez, don't At do Kurt that. Warner on Twitter and say, <laughs> do your best to stop the curse of Kurt Warner, please, for Aaron Rodgers' sake. Hashtag stop the curse. Should talk about bears. Yeah, we should talk about the bears. <laughs> Speaking of curses, Mitch Trubisky. Who? <laughs> so well, Chicago. I mean, the big question with Mitch Trubisky is: um, is he just playing well because they have played trash teams, or has he actually changed to being slightly better in some way? And it's worth. Have you watched? 
Have you watched him play at all? I have, yes. It's play action. It's rollouts. Yep. It's he's back to doing what he did his, when he was playing okay football. His before. okay like, football in his first season. That's right. So like I'm I'm pretty sure Jr. could average a like a seventy passer rating in that system. So it's worth Jay noting. Couldn't. It, <laughs> it it's worth <laughs> noting that that Trubisky has played a different type of football lately than he had before. Um, football Outsiders has a a system where they categorize quarterbacks into three different styles. Either gunslinger, that's Brett Favre, throws um, down the field, also throws lots of interceptions. Um, game manager, you know game managers, Alex Smith, probably the prototypical game manager. And then they call it many sacks. They need a better number for it. It's actually what Aaron Rodgers is. It's waiting and waiting and waiting for a big play to develop, not throwing interceptions, but you'll take sacks once in a while because you're just waiting for something good to come around. Russell Wilson's in that category too. Um, Mitchell has been actually kind of right in the middle, which is a bad place to be. It's better to specialize a little bit towards many sacks. Last few games, he's been gunslinger. His yards per attempt has gone way up. His interceptions also up. And, you know, for Mitch, that's a problem because they were pretty high before. Um, But he's being more productive with the throws that he actually makes. And a lot of that is the fact that they're playing him more like they did his rookie season, much more bootlegging, much more rolling out. Um, They actually have gotten a much better running game out of David Montgomery. We've made fun of that one before many times. Um, but they've been they've been a better offense, notwithstanding the fact that they've played against tr- trash teams. So, um, and they've been putting up a lot of points. They've been killing the Bears. Have been destroying teams lately. They haven't been just squeaking by for the most part. So it, it's uh, uh, they're not scary. You know, we've played the we know the Bears. We played the Bears, and the fact that Mitch is throwing more picks is not bad for the Packers because they're harassing people into turnovers left and right lately. And I went we spread to Savage gets them a couple times, but I think this will be a tougher game than last time. Um, they're they're getting better quarterback play. They're getting better running back play, and with the key picks back, they'll probably be a much more formidable defense than they were last time. So I think this will be close. I, I think it'll be a pain in the ass. Just enjoy the caveat of when he's not throwing interceptions, his passes are good. Well. <laughs> Well, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> it's easier to beat him when he's not doing jack and still throwing interceptions. It's a different animal. That's true. Um, even the last time they played, Mitch, Mitch had, they were garbage time, but he had three three touchdown passes to two um, interceptions, and the Packers blew the doors off that defense. It would have been a much more competitive game had the Bear defense shown up, and they just didn't. Maybe they won't again, but uh, it's worth, you know, theoretically, Kyle Fuller's had a great season, and when they've had a good corner on Devontae, sometimes the Packers have struggled to score points. So we'll see how that goes. I'm a little tiny bit worried. Just a bit. Just just a hair. Well, you were fully expecting the Titans to blow the Packers out. So I was. I'm fine with yep. with your skepticism. That's fine. They the, here's, the, the Packers usually beat the Bears when I'm skeptical of their ability to do so. And, I mean, I still think they'll win, but... I do think it'll be hard. The Bears are not as quite as terrible as they were earlier. They got they got something working here. Bears need to win to get uh, in into the playoffs, get the seventh seed, could still get it with the loss. But uh, if you're one who believes in you know motivation and stakes, you would think the Bears would have more to play for. The Packers obviously could need the win to guarantee that top seed, or a Seattle loss will do the trick there. But I just I, I just can't imagine the Packers are gonna. You know, like there, there's going to maybe be a time or two where they don't take a risk that they would normally take because they are one of the top teams heading into the playoffs, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to get that catastrophic injury here going into the postseason, whether or not you play next week. So, I, 
you know, that's all mumbo jumbo that, you know, there's, yeah. there's no quantifiable thing there. <laughs> I just, uh, I just pair that with the bears playing well. Last week was pretty eye opening. The, the bears, man, they, they had, a, they had another gear. And if Akeem Hicks is healthy, I feel like that defense is totally different against the Packers. Mm-hmm. Uh, worth noting also, they have a huge weakness on that defense that uh, teams have been exploiting against them, even bad teams, which, which is receiver depth hurts them slot receivers, especially, and Devontae had a good game last time, even though Kyle Fuller has had a good season at number one corner because Devontae played out of the slot a lot last time. So um, in this game, I would I think the Packers will understand this. Buster, what's Buster's last name? I call him Scrine. Scrine. It is Scrine? Oh, good. Yeah. Maybe I said screen last time. I don't know. Whatever. You did You did say screen, screen. last time. Well, he sucks. So um, the... the... <laughs> The challenge for the Packers is just, sucks. is to get a, a matchup with him um, that they can exploit over and over and over again. So that that's what I'm hoping. Buster Buster Scrine is older than me. Is he really? And I'm not a young. Yes, Buster Scrine is older uh, than me by a month. Well, he, he's not good that's, at football, just that's like you. Ancient in DB years. Yeah. Ah, there you go. But we are both five nine. So, <laughs> are you the same size as Marshawn Lynch? <laughs> no, Marshawn Lynch is taller and 20 pounds heavier. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Uh, Can we do questions? Let's do questions. Okay, first of all, Brian, Patreon friend, Brian Polakowski, don't say offsides in quotation marks, you cheeky Sumner. <laughs> uh, so Brian say said... Oh, he has two questions. I yeah, see. He, has he two does. Questions. He, and one of the questions he said, did the analytics numbers agree with going forward on fourth down after the quote-unquote offsides blocked field goal in the second quarter? Uh, okay, that he was offsides. Don't listen to Chris Collinsworth. Yep. Chris Collinsworth is an idiot. Chris Collinsworth cost the Bengals a Super Bowl. Don't listen to anything he says. <laughs> Just to expand on that, <laughs> we did not have a down-the-line shot in the game. But what we did have was the tracking dots at Next Gen Stats. And... If you go and look at the tracking dots on Next Gen Stats, you'll see that that guy was, in fact, lined up clearly offsides by quite a bit. So um, on the field, I'm sure that ref didn't throw that flag for nothing. Um, the dots are just not made up. They're real time, and people captured it. So um, that was a legitimate penalty. I checked I checked both penalties in this game because they were huge penalties, both of them. Um, There's a hands to the face earlier that gave the Packers a first down. That would have been a punt. Um, and um, they did not show a replay immediately, which a bunch of people pointed out to me on Twitter after I tweeted that they never showed a replay. They, did, they showed it like three plays later, but there were multiple instances of very bad hands to the face, and Bakhtiari almost had his helmet taken off. So, yeah. Um, anyway, it was offsides. It was a legit good call. So no no complaints there. Nobody should have any. It looked bad on TV, but it was it was real. Um, anyway, as to the actual question. So, so Brian, uh, Brian Polakowski's first question is. Oh yeah, one at Barnes, a time. Uh, Chris Barnes <laughs> significantly outsnapped Christian Kirksey and Kamal Martin. Is Barnes a building block going forward, or the best of a weak linebacking crew for now? Um, I think he's legit good. He is. Small. I'm worried. I'm worried about his durability more than anything, and he's already suffered some injuries, which is why he's not out there all the time. But when he's been on the field, he's been really good, and he he stood up really well in a tough matchup with a guy who's frankly much larger than he is. This game, he made a couple of very nice tackles on Derrick Henry. He flies to the ball. I I, I actually really like Chris Barnes. I think he's a good player. I, I just do wonder if he's going to get destroyed um, playing that way week after week. He's he's I think he's a building well, that's block, what we've, but we've been saying that about yeah. 
We've been saying that about Raven Green at the Dimebacker. Yeah. Like, Raven Green is, is amazing at that position, but he weighs 118 pounds. It's a problem. Like, he's going to get broken in half, and then he got broken in half. So, yeah, that's the problem with Barnes. Yep, but he's good. It's just a matter of having him be on the field enough to be good. But, yes, he is much, he he is much better those. than the other two. Way better than the other two. He has to have one of those Blake Martinez off-seasons where he, quote, puts on 15 pounds of muscle in two months. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure thing, Blake. Yep, and as for the second question, as to, oh, go ahead, Jr. Read away. Yeah, no, his second question: Did the analytics numbers agree with going for it on fourth down after the quotes quote unquote offsides blocked field goal in the second quarter? Went from fourth and eight at the seventeen to fourth and three at the twelve. Scores nineteen nothing. I'm curious. I'd be curious to know what anal, if analytics does anything differently in the weather that they that they were in because it seemed like that was part of that decision. But uh, the question is: It that much different of a situation at either distance when you're inside your own twenty? Did Matt Lafleur just not trust special teams to get the field goal blocking right on a do over? <laughs> so I think that's probably. True. I think that's true. I think it was conditions and the fact that they were kind of a debacle on their field goal kicking unit for a lot of the game that made him go for it. So I, I did run through Ben Baldwin's fourth down calculator that he has up on runningbacksdontmatter.com. Um, and he gives you the percentage, winning percentage change. Of the, so it preferred a field goal attempt. It, it thought you should have gone for a field goal. But, you know, it can't see the weather and it can't see the conditions of the game. And it's a very slight um, recommend. It's only 1.4%. Um, usually if it's a really stupid decision, that calculator actually tells you it's a strong go for so this was really, I would say, up to coach's decision based on minor factors. It's a slight incorrect decision, but, I mean, we all saw how their special teams was playing, and I totally understand why they went for it. Play didn't work, but uh, I, I agree with it in this case. I think it was the right call. But a- analy- the analytics, quote-unquote, say that they should have kicked a field goal. So that's what the the yard line score scenario says to do there. Way to go, dorks. Yep. <laughs> what a fascinating play to have jk scott make an actual tackle to have it taken away it could have shifted everything about that game and as it was it was a little bit of a momentum swing if you believe in such things but uh <laughs> packers of course quashed that pretty good but uh you know you said this with tub either last week or the week before that i'm suspicion that the hold and the snap you know and we've already mentioned that on this podcast haven't been great this year and that really has made me think you know like I don't know how Mason Crosby can make 50-yard field goals look easy with that situation being the case, but it does uh, it does make me you know watch that a little more closely, and I'm wondering if uh, if those are the pieces that I mean because I don't know if J.K. Scott's going to be here next year anyway. So, but but if those pieces aren't aren't clicking, uh, definitely need to to move on because your kicker's only getting older and he's not going to be able to consistently hit from, from distance. You got to make those short to middle range field goals. <laughs> so. What what would you guys say is Mason's best field goal of all time? Against the Cowboys, no question. Playoffs. Yeah. So it's against the Cowboys. That's what I would say. So do you remember who the holder was for that? <laughs> no. Hold on. Is Jake Jake Shum? Jake Shum was the holder for that. Guy. <laughs> the, Twitter the, follow. Um, Jake Shum is uh, he's really big in the home gym community. It's <laughs> something I do quite a bit. Uh, Jake <laughs> regularly practices holding. Something like so JK Scott doesn't have a social media presence, so it's hard to judge against it. But half the time when Jake is out there kicking punts, he's also practicing holding, which is I, I think should be important in today's day and age of a punter. And Shum talks about how important the hold was for Crosby and like how everything had to be automatic. But also the long snapper was Brett Good at the time. So it's kind of hard to compare the two because yeah. Brett Good might be one of the best long snappers of all time. Hunter Bradley is just a guy. 
if, if they drafted. Yeah. But hey, you know what? At least they didn't draft a guy who had to go off to active duty military after they drafted him like the Patriots did. Very true. It happens. It, it happens. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I, I think that while I do hate Sean Menengo with the burning fiery <laughs> passion of a thousand sons, um, it might not 100% be his fault if your long snapping is bad and your holder is not adjusting so you're kicking um, the laces. I guess, but also spend some time working on it. Like, <laughs> no, he's too busy screwing up J.K. Scott's punting yeah. mechanics. Uh, so I mean, I'm sure he practices holes. <laughs> I'm sure they work on it. This might not be his specialty. Mm-hmm. PJ Wessels, happy holidays, y'all. I added the y'all. It was just all. But as always, <laughs> thankful, for the, thankful for the show, which we appreciate. Thank you, PJ. Thank you, PJ. Thankful for you. Is there anything better than a Week 17 game in Chicago with something on the line? Yes, there's nothing better. 2013. Uh, 2010, give them all to me. I love it. They're great. They turn out no, I, really well I so often. Oh, really? I think I think week 17 in Chicago with nothing on the line and having Jordan Love throw for 400 yards against Chicago that would be that would be the best thing ever. Okay. Well, Tim Boyle would take the first half and throw for you know four touchdowns before he goes to the sidelines. <laughs> so fortunately, Jordan Love wouldn't get a chance. But but it is a nice thought. It's a great game. It's it's fun to see it, and um, the Packers just end up on the good side of this so often, and we have so many good memories from th- just breaking the Bears' hearts. So it, it's a beautiful thing. It, football's better for it. Like it's nice to have a nice relaxing Lions game every once in a while, but it's it's to save <laughs> it's to save up your energy for games like this for for the truly enjoyable you know something on the line kind of game. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be so my non meme answer is yes i'm absolutely super psyched for this game yeah it's not quite the same thing as 2013 which is honestly one of my favorite games of all time that, that was not a good packers team but that was just a joyous finish to a season uh but equally as meaningful that game was to the bears that's what we have here we have a game that is meaningful to both sides now the stakes aren't the same but you know, this is this is important for both teams you know especially the bears so it's uh <laughs> Uh, it's yeah, going to be intriguing. It's very All the stops will be out, as they say. We should mention it. We, it's very important for the Bears because the Bears are not going to get help. The they need the Cardinals to lose to the Rams. The Rams are either going to be starting a uh, either Blake Bortles or John Wolford Wolford um, from Wake Forest, um, who graduated in 2017. Um, I think that's right, 2018. Whatever. That's what they got to deal with. So I'm going to watch that. Yeah, um, but I, I looked up that guy's QBOPS. He's not terrible but he's tiny he's uh he's an under six foot quarterback who's under 200 pounds and if you go watch his wake forest tape he looks like the smallest person on the field which is not good in college <laughs> so, um anyway the, the bears aren't getting help Rams so. need that game too though they're gonna have to rams need that win well that, they've been leaning towards bortles today which okay <laughs> he's a quarterback i guess um but yeah they do but, the, by the way as of today wolford is listed as the starting quarterback. is he okay um, but without a starting quarterback, it's going to be a tough, tough call for them. Uh, tough, tough task. So the Bears really need to take care of this if they're going to make the playoffs, and um, they'll be super motivated. They should pull out all the stops. Uh, should be a tough one. He's so little. He's so small. He's very small. Don't, <laughs> Look at you. That's why I know. That, that's why I know who he was because he played for the Arizona Hotshots. That was my yes. That's my, right. Uh, he has AFC. a rap. 
he has a Raz card because um, of the um, the draft for that league. Yes. Incredible. I was I was I was I chose the Hot Shots as my AAF team, and he was he was actually pretty good. He he was definitely better than there were like two good quarterbacks in the entire league. Um, one of them went to the Colts. What was his name? Because he he came from the Colts or from the Lions. I don't remember anything uh, about the AAF. Sorry. Anyway, there was there was only one quarterback who had had like legit NFL experience, and he went back to the NFL after having a good showing. And then Wolford was another quarterback who played well. So John, John Wolford actually little... he played a little bit last week when Guff got hurt, and he actually looked okay. But you know, you never know how that's actually going to go in the long run. <laughs> So uh, yeah. moving moving into Twitter questions, Neil Olson said uh, we we won't spend a lot of time, but if if the next reporting is eligible is not greater than fifty percent discourse on running back spreadsheets, I I don't know if we hit fifty, but we did our part. <laughs> we did we did our part talking running back spreadsheets. Um, Scott Hartle, we we brought up you know we brought up Ron we Dane, we brought up Ron Dane. and Ron Dane's December statistics that counts. Yep, I totally agree with you. It's a deep dive. Scott yeah. Hartle says, does Badger Noonan take credit for the? Uh, that being Paul, does Paul take credit for the savage resurgence? Since Paul said that it looks like he's just bad, Cornell has been making plays left and right. That is a go-to uh, analysis from you, Paul. He might just be bad. He might just be bad. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. A lesson there is when when I see players who are on a poorly coached team, they're the ones you want to snipe off that team, pick up in free agency, things like that. And yeah, we should, shouldn't have dismissed anybody on the Packer defense quite so quickly because they had to work under Mike Patton. So, um, yeah, I take credit for that. I'm good at anti-jinxing people, especially on the baseball podcast, where um, you know it turned into a thing where we would we would use our jinx powers for good, and it actually worked pretty well. So yeah, I take credit for that totally. Also, hi Scott, so, how you doing? On the on the uh, Acme Packing Company post game show for the, I said that this was the everybody read the tweets game. <laughs> like, like they always say like like so and so read the tweets every single complaint that we had outside of shamaninga was addressed by the individual players in that game even christian for god's sake yeah <laughs> kevin king tackled derrick henry in the open field he did that happened that's a, that's christian, a thing. christian Kirksey had a sack and an interception I mean, what what a world! Well, Christian Kirksey had a ha ha Clinton Dix interception. Uh, it's still an interception. It it was, <laughs> it was an absolute ha ha Clinton Dix interception, but it was an interception. Kirksey and King, both both guys I complained about last week. They they were good. They did their part. Uh, a couple comments for a couple questions from Nate Wolfel, big wrestling guy. Shout out to Nate Wolfel. I know him. He uh, he did ask about Mason Crosby's PATs, which we discussed, but uh, he also said, maybe I'm reading way too far into this, but do any of you see it as a problem that the Packers took a quarterback with a first-round pick, and apparently he's not worthy of at least suiting up on game day? Super early in his career, but it seems odd, given his draft status, that Jordan Love is struggling to clear Tim Boyle on the depth chart. This is something a lot of people talk about, but, uh, but you know, let's, let's check in. Jordan Love still not suiting up. <laughs> um, I, I think at this so I don't think we can read too much into it because Boyle has that familiarity with the system clipboard holder thing, and that's what they have him on the team to do right now. He's there for emergencies, um, but it's not that Jordan Love is necessarily not beating him out. It's that he's not doing the familiarity with the offense extra coach thing. Um, it's it's not great that he's not beating out Tim Boyle. <laughs> it could could be better. You'd like to see your your rookie quarterback, you know, 
really dive in and learn the offense and, and take that and be the backup because theoretically you, you have more potential there than Tim Boyle. If Aaron Rodgers were to get hurt, you'd like him to be able to actually utilize that. But um, I don't think you read too much into it at this point. And I've been, I've been leaning way more now lately towards um, taking to, to being okay with taking quarterbacks high. Um, I, I think I'm going to be in favor of it going forward for basically every team. I think uh, basically quarterbacks are super undervalued. Every team does this wrong. And like the Patriots could have averted a collapse by drafting a few more quarterbacks over the last couple of years. And almost every team could have. Nobody's really got an excuse. Like the, the, the Steelers could have um, Lamar Jackson and a, a couple other good quarterbacks at this point. A bunch of teams had a shot at Josh Allen. Everybody had a, not everybody, a bunch of teams had a shot at Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and took, you know, like Saquon Barkley instead. That That's not good. Don't do that. Um, so uh, I've, I'm coming around to the idea that quarterbacks are just so valuable that you should spend high picks on them with some regularity, even if you have a franchise quarterback in tow, because you need those. And people like to say that the Packers lucked into Aaron Rodgers, that he, you know, if he fell down the charts and Ted grabbed him. But the Packers at that point had a long history of drafting quarterbacks while they had franchise quarterbacks. They did it all the time. They, they had Mark Brunel, and they had Matt Hasselbeck, and they had Kurt Warner come through for a cup of coffee and then sent him on his way. They had Aaron Brooks, and um, it was you know, that was all Ron Wolf. But when Ted came around, he, he did that too. And even after they picked Aaron Rodgers, they drafted Brian Brom in the second round. They, they kept doing it. So um, that's how you keep quarterback continuity going. You bring a lot of guys through. And I'm uh, so Jordan Love I don't think is good. I think he kind of sucks. I, I don't, don't like his college stats. I, he does not scout well to me. But conceptually, I'm fine with it, and I hope they do it again soon. So, my my retort, slight retort. I prefer a coaching system where the rookie quarterback who should never see the field is not suiting up. Because when you are winning games off the back of an MP, MVP performance quarterback, and you lose said Hall of Fame quarterback at the end, your season's done. That's just... You you have you have hope that he comes back in time for you to make the playoffs like the Packers in the uh, eight seven and one season, but your season's over. If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt right now, that's it. That's it's the system is not set up for Tim Boyle or uh, Jordan Love to win the Super Bowl. So to me, that's a coaching staff that says I would much rather have, you know, scheme sideline guy than have a rookie with potential. Because if you put rookie with potential out there, you're risking him for no reason other than just to get him game reps. I just, um, I, I would like to see him be good enough and showing enough on tape that they have confidence that he could actually win a game or two for them. I, I don't think that's an unreasonable yeah, yeah. ask for a rookie, especially after having gone through the whole season. Like, I think ideally, like three quarters of the way through the season with like four games left, you evaluate that and see if he's ready to take that jump and you know jump over Boyle. Uh, and if he is great, and if he's not, mm, it's not great. I don't know if they did that, but I would, I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing it. But I mean, this is that's a, that, that's fair. It's Aaron's team, though, so it's not. They don't run things how I would run things. They run. They probably do value Boyle, um, in the 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 coach role, and that's fine too. Um, Long Connery, my favorite, such a, <laughs> such a great name. But also the fact that Jr. has been silent for like a full minute and then just <laughs> schlong Connery. <laughs> Am I a cynic for thinking Matt LaFleur had a lot to do with the defensive game plan Sunday night? And should A.J. Dillon get all or most of Jamal Williams' carries now? Can he pass protect? 
<laughs> Jamal Williams ain't going to be on the field. Or we don't know, so yeah. he's going to get them all in the meantime. Um, uh, Matt LaFleur always has an impact on the defense, um, and you're not a cynic because he's been hinting at wanting a more aggressive defense the whole time. If you, this is uh, this is conspiracy theory, did not happen. Just making it up. But if it came out later that he happened to go to <laughs> go to his defensive players to go to Mike Patton and tell him to be more aggressive, if that came out later, I wouldn't be that surprised by it. Um, and I'm I'm sure that you know he emphasizes, hey, look, all the all the aggressive pass rushing, sim- simplifying the system, it's working really well. Keep doing it. So uh, that's not being cynical. I think the, the head coach always has an impact. I know he's an offensive guy. But it doesn't mean you abdicate responsibility for the defense just because it's not your specialty. Um, so it, it is absolutely true that he has had a say. I don't know how much. Um, it, 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 he's probably not driving it, but you know, he's been open about disagreements with the way Patton's been doing things, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's had a little more influence lately. Um, as to yeah, as to the running backs, Jamal Williams is still going to have a big role when he is back because he's still the best pass protector and he's still a very good third down cog um, out of the backfield catching passes. AJ Dillon did not have a lot of opportunities to pass protect in this game. He was in for uh, to the extent he was in on passing plays. A lot of them were play action where he was you know the, the fake guy and then went out for a pass. Did not pick up blitzers. And I suspect that's because he's not that good at it yet, which is fine because rookies almost never are. It takes a while to get good at it. It's a tough read to see blitzers coming in. So, um, I, assu- I assume he's not great at it, but we haven't seen him really try. Um, but that'll be Williams' job and Jones's job for the foreseeable future until he gets better at it. It is more important to keep your superstar quarterback upright than it is to gain a couple extra yards. Yep. Absolutely. And with, with that said, Jamal, a.k.a. Brandon Jackson Williams, is a phenomenal piece of the offense. <laughs> that he is, that he is. Paul, I think it was you, you who made that comparison first, yes? Yeah, I, think, I believe that is correct. He is Brandon Jackson-esque in the, what he brings to the table. Well, today I replied to an Andy Herman tweet comparing Jamal to Brandon Jackson, and that has blown up. So I'd like to thank you for the clout <laughs> You're I welcome. received today. I'm glad you got a lot of Twitter action on my concept. That's that's good. All right, let's knock out the, well, uh, the Discords from, here. Yeah, a couple questions from Discord. Galaxy Brain looks at the draft here. So <clears throat> Yavamai Eldred asks, in retrospect, are the Love and Dylan pick secretly smart because the team was loaded anyway, and they got the guys they wanted, or is it still dumb? because they could have filled minor gaps like the Lowry or NVS spot. And then Jonathan Deal says, is drafting a running back in the second round worth it if it means you're not spending anywhere from 13 to $15 million a year on one, which uh, ties into the Aaron Jones quandary that the team is uh, is currently facing. Um, it's still not smart because you, you, can, <laughs> you can get running backs in other ways that don't take second round picks. It's better. So I would rather use a second round pick on a running back than pay Aaron Jones the market value that he's likely to get. Uh, I w- of the two choices, I would rather have AJ Dillon for minor salary and a second round pick. That's fine, um, but it's still just not a good use of resources to take a running back that high. It's just not. Um, you can get just as good later on in the draft. You can get just as good, um, much cheaper in free agency. That's it's still he, he played well. It's good. He's good, but it's just a position that doesn't warrant it. And like I said, I like the I like the love pick. Uh, well, yeah, that's I like I like picking a quarterback there. Um, I still don't like him specifically, but I'm 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 okay with that. I think it shows. Well, it's weird. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it shows they value the position correctly because they 
took a freaking running back after that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I, I'm basically pro quarterback selection all the time, so that's fine. Yeah, the Eldred question, of course, oh, is a little tongue in cheek, but yes, you know the the still still think that there probably are holes on this team that they could have addressed there but absolutely we've talked about this before they don't draft for this year they draft for next year and if they get contributions for this year that's icing on the cake they're getting some from you know from kamal martin that's pretty solid and uh, obviously the aj Dillon thing here is a nice icing on the cake but uh you know they're, they're looking at 2021 and beyond when they make their draft selections pretty much yep especially this year so the um the other thing that I'm really enjoying is people have been following the fourth round pick that was used to trade up to get Jordan Love. You guys know who that was used on? I do not. Uh, Los Angeles Rams tight end Bryson Hopkins. I have never heard of Bryson okay. Hopkins. How's Bryson doing? There you go. Uh, he's done nothing. All right. Cool. So he's he's on the he's on the Rams roster. Uh, that's all I can say about him. <laughs> confirmed he is a ram swole he kind of looks like he kind of looks like a swole version of orlando jones in pirates of the caribbean okay that's very specific there you go <laughs> swole ed shelly asks can the defense play the scheme every week I saw it as loading up against the run trusting the secondary to play well or was the snow too big of a factor to make this a weekly thing I think they can play this every week. It was a, uh, they loaded up to stop the run, but it was really just an aggressive defense. It, it was really predicated on getting to Tannehill and speeding up his clock. And if you happen, you know, being disciplined, and if you see Henry coming, um, you know, get him on the way. Um, so I think they can do that because it really is a, it was as effective against the pass as it was against the run. Tannehill was terrible. He had 121 yards passing in this game. Um, that, that's that's awful. He completed 40% of his passes. He's a good quarterback. He's the best quarterback they're likely to face um, going forward. He has better numbers than Breeze and Wilson this year. Um, yes, Wilson is better than Ryan Tannehill. I'm not saying that. Breeze, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Thank fine. you. <laughs> but Wilson's been crap lately. If you, by the way, just if you're paying attention to the Seahawks, he's had a rough month. Um and Drew, Drew Brees How's is Ben Baldwin not, doing with that? He's been okay. I, I I do kind of feel for his mental health once in a while because I feel like the world just came back and bit him. You know, to our benefit. Thank goodness. It's about time that happened. Um, but yeah, he he uh he's rolling with it, but he also is a little bit scared. I think that Russ is um not having as good a season and maybe is maybe taking a couple too many hits because Russ takes a lot of hits. So um not uh not great. Um, but, but he should just have some more nano bubbles. He'll be fine. <laughs> the nano bubbles. <laughs> oh, geez, Sam Hawk Badger, you suck. Um, so um, let's see. <laughs> Jay Suddy to wrap up our questions yep. for the night. What do we think? Matt Lafleur and staff broke Rogers of the habit of burning bad timeouts with the play clock running down. He did have one against the Titans, but it's been excellent. Uh, they've been excellent avoiding that all year. That's a really good question. So Lafleur, God. I swear it was like week two or something I was talking about having to be up tempo and having more time on the play clock. Like, like we, we want to break the huddle with 20 seconds left or something. Like he, he gave some like arbitrary number. And I think this is just kind of that coming to fruition. Like Rogers finally has time to read the defense and, and everyone's set up and, and ready. And so he gets to do his fun, hard counts and yeah. he gets to do his checks at the line. And so it's just, it's discipline. I think that's really it. What's more though, it stands 
stands to reason that the way to solve this is to just absorb some delay of game penalties once in a while. But unless I'm not thinking of them anecdotally, we haven't seen a lot of those either. No, I don't really think they've run into a lot of that. I think they've just sped it up. And um, I'll, I'll tell you one thing I think makes a difference, actually, to tie into the question before this one. If you go back and watch this game, the fact that there's no crowd there, one thing you can hear all the Packer defenders yelling when Derrick Henry has the ball is run. And when he doesn't have the ball is pass very, very loudly. I hadn't noticed it at any other time. It like straight Pop Warner. It totally, <laughs> they, if you go watch it, it's awesome. It is Pop Warner. It's literally Pop Warner. It is every single person on that defense. When they diagnose what the play is, they're yelling out what it is. And it worked. Um, and I think that they have just a better cadence of um, getting going after the next play. I think when they get, when they've gotten into trouble in the past, it's be, been because they've hit a long play and they kind of, celebrate and forget to huddle back up um it's really about how they end the play than how they're starting the current one and they seem much more disciplined about getting back to the huddle after big plays um over the last several weeks versus how they used to do it in sort of meandering around so um i think that they've been instilling some discipline as to hey get in the huddle earlier get out earlier and then you know you can use the clock to diagnose so and question uh, that's you can know, you Matt can you question. hear and can you I was like, can you hear an Oski call after interceptions? I did not pick the, pick up on that. Okay, we're gonna have to we're gonna start paying. So for for those not in the know, traditionally a defense will call Oski after an interception. That is the call for everyone to turn around and start blocking. <laughs> Good to know. So l- listen for Oski. I, anyway, I like having the. I don't like that the fact that we can't go to football games, but it has been instructive to not have fans there, not have noise there, because you hear a lot of stuff that you don't get to hear normally, and it's kind of cool. All right, and with that, I think that kind of wraps us up. So, um, one game to go. Um, this is the last RAE of the year. A- anything you want to plug before this crappy, terrible year, year ends? Yeah. <laughs> Jar, anything good? I think I've got. You know, I've got a couple of year-end things. The, my One thing I enjoyed putting together is the quotes, the Wisconsin sports quotes of the year. Uh, a couple Packers quotes, as you might imagine, are, are on that list. Uh, also, just the moments that define Wisconsin sports. That should be posting here sometime in the next couple of days. I, I had a really good time interviewing um, the, the official Major League Baseball historian. Ooh, John cool. Thorne is his name. He's a graduate of Beloit College, uh, which we talked about a little bit, but primarily what we talked about was his role in getting the Negro leagues, uh, stati- their, their stats, their, their leagues in general have been reclassified as major leagues. So those stats from 19, I forget the exact years, 1920 something to 1940 something, uh, are now recognized as major league statistics. They're recognized alongside, you know, the major league players that were playing at that time. And, and obviously since, so, uh, that's a really cool thing. Baseball took that step kind of out of the blue, so I talked to him about what that entails, how they go about doing that, how they decide what's, you know, how they identify the the Negro Leagues, the, sort of the history of, of their exclusion from Major League Baseball stats at this point. Uh, so that was really cool. Uh, added him to my Journal Sentinel Brewers podcast, which posted on uh, on Tuesday morning. Also have a Bucks podcast up. The Bucks set an NBA record for three pointers in a game on Tuesday night. So that's fun. Uh, lots <laughs> awesome. of uh, lots of stuff. A lot of different sports. Doing the Badgers live blog. If you're listening to this Wednesday, Wednesday early afternoon, uh, actually late morning, eleven o'clock. Badgers kick off in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh, that they will be playing Wake Forest, and I'll be doing the live blog. So check that out at jsonline.com. Uh, the Mayo Bowl. Oh my goodness. That. Bowl of mayo, baby. Mm-hmm. That's college football this season is a bowl of mayo. <laughs> Matt, you got anything? 
Yeah, uh, there are now official reporting as eligible shirts for sale on AppletonCoffee.com. I am They're currently awesome. Wo- They're good. I'm currently They're wearing one as we record um, in our video Discord. You guys cannot see it. It is in Brewers colors. <laughs> for some and, reason, it is. Sh- it's in it's well, in that was retro Packers colors. It's in their retro retro Packers. Colors. Yes, it's Acme packing co- Acme Packers. Yes, colors or Brewers colors, depending on your your choice. It's a very comfortable shirt. Um, I would say it's true to size. I wear a large. <laughs> this is very this is a large. Now. It fits me well. <laughs> what I'm just I I care very deeply about how a shirt fits. Okay, and the sleeves are kind of small, so they make you look swole. Pretend right. you're AJ Dillon. Nice. That's good. Pretend you're AJ Dillon. Gets a reporting as eligible shirt. Um, <laughs> I I have my. If I tried to hop yeah. a wall, I guarantee I would be thinking I'm AJ Dillon. Yeah. Hi-o. I have no skill. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know what though? Brett Favre won Lambeau Leap in his career, and it was terrible. It was terrible. So bad. Very bad. So there was only one. Yep. That's why I didn't go back. He knew. He understood. Didn't stop him from throwing <laughs> interceptions, but did stop him from Lambeau Leaping. I have uh, I have a column in the Shepherd Express um, buttoning up the the win over Tennessee, previewing the Bears, and I'm writing on um, I'm going to write on quarterbacks and the smartness of drafting them um, later on this week. Um, I'm trying to actually right now put together everybody who's drafted a running back ahead of a good quarterback over the last several years. Um, I have a quarterback chart. I just need the running back chart. So um, keep an eye out for that. Should be fun. Basically, every franchise is responsible for their own bad quarterback situation that that's out there especially the bears of course but uh everybody else too so um that that should that should do it um we have the bears coming up it's fun to make fun of the bears hopefully they pull it off so that we can make fun of the bears a lot because i love nothing more than making fun of mitch trubisky and um, david montgomery and look forward to it we will see you all next year the world is a vampire